Would you pray with me? Loving God, we come into your presence and ask that you would sow your seeds among us, in our hearts, in our minds, in our thoughts, in our bodies, and the way we serve others. Bless us this day on the hearing of your word, and that we may take it faithfully. Amen. First of all, I want to say I've been away for two Sundays on some vacation time that you very generously give me and give our staff, and so I want to thank you for that. Uh, It is good to get some rest and rejuvenation, and I haven't taken all the time you've given me in the first 18 months, but I'm starting to catch up. So I just want to thank you for that. It's very good to be back in your presence this morning on this beautiful Sunday. I don't know about you, but this is one of the first winters in a while when I wondered if spring would ever come. I really did. It was a feeling more than a thought. I knew that rationally that the, the earth would still turn on its axis and tilt toward the sun, and we would have a vernal equinox on March 21st, but it certainly seemed to take longer. And even yesterday, I felt that a little bit, as I could still feel some of the icy gasps of winter in the air. It was in that spirit two weeks ago that I was with my brother-in-law, who's an avid gardener. And he made a deal, he's quite a negotiator, and he said, I'll go for a walk in the woods with the dogs if someone will help me plant my peas and spinach. And so I agreed to do that. For 25 years, I've had many good meals at their table that have been lovingly cultivated and prepared and served. It's the least I could do to plant a few peas and spinach. And it was one of those days in which we still felt some of the icy gasps of winter clinging in the air, but the spring sunshine valiantly trying to break through to our hair and our skin and our clothing to warm us up. So I asked him what I could do. Now, my my brother-in-law, I may have told you before, is one of those gardeners who starts picking out his seeds in the fall and the winter and ordering them. He plants seedlings in his bedroom in the dead of winter under fluorescent light and then transfers those little lettuce seedlings so we can have good salads in the spring. He's very serious about gardening and has a very serious garden. So he asked me to go plant some peas along the fence row. And he made a little furrow for me to do that. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen what a pea seed looks like, but it kind of looks like a pea that you dropped in the freezer and forgot about or got left in a crevice in the kitchen somewhere and you swept it up. It's almost like a little cube that's dried up and sort of dusty looking in a pale green. It's a sad little creature, very small. He made a furrow along the fence row that was still clotted with some dead leaves from the fall. He said, you'll want to get those leaves out of there because they will inhibit the germination. And he said, I want you to put those seeds three quarters to an inch apart. So I dumped some in my hands and tried to distribute them with my thumb and index finger. And all I can say is, it's a tedious process. trying to do that, trying to get them right and get the three quarters to an inch. He said, just go for an inch, it'll be fine. So I did the peas and then he said, I'd like you to do spinach over on this other row over here. Spinach seeds can get lost under your fingernail. If you dropped one on the couch, you would never find it again. So I tried the same method. He said, I'd like these about a half inch apart. (laughs) So I diligently did that in the furrow. And then I sought his instruction to tamp it down just correctly. 
And he said, now we're going to need to put some screens over the pea seeds because the birds love them. So he brought out these old screens that were about four inches wide and the rocks and bricks to hold them down. We put that down. And then he said, let's water them really well. So I watered along. And as I watered, some of the pea seeds started to pop up out of the soil. And I realized what a delicate process gardening is. Back in the cold of Lent, we talked about the soil and its richness, and we talked about the miracle of germination, how these seeds contain all the information they need to grow into plants that look nothing like the little bitty speck that you put in the ground. I realized that when I put these seeds in, the dead leaves from fall and winter looked absolutely large, as did the little pieces of shale and granite stuck in the soil. I wondered how these seeds would make it. And yet I realize that something so small can get lost and yet is so essential to our growth, our sustenance. I said to my brother-in-law, you know you're helping me prepare for my next sermon. And he said, just keep planting. <laughs> he also told me that New England farmers say if you plant your peas on Patriot's Day, you will have peas in your, in your, on your plate by July 4th. Well, Jesus told these parables because he knew that people knew all about these things, much more than I or you tend to know about them. I imagine if he were going to speak in parables today, parables which I think of as the Christian version of Zen koans, these little questions or riddles that are left to tease our minds, the direct application is somewhat in doubt, so that we might figure it out ourselves. Perhaps if Jesus were telling this parable today, he'd say something, as he says in other parables. Imagine that a rich woman went out in the streets and started giving cash to all the people she saw. And some of the people wasted it on their addictions, like alcohol and drugs. Some of them spent it on meals and ate it up. Some of them lost it and wondered what happened to those dollar bills. And some of them invested it and used it and the dividends for years to come. Or they might, as I saw on the internet, retell this parable today if Jesus were here. A YouTube blogger went out and put a video on YouTube. Some people saw it and were easily entertained but never looked at it again. A few people, it, it, they, they saw it and ignored it, only watched it halfway through. But some people watched it over and over and over and millions of hits that influence their lives for the good for the rest of their lives. Parables, these little riddles. I think we know pretty well what Jesus was trying to apply about thinking about thorny soil and rocky soil and soil that gets trampled and, and, and places where the birds take the seeds and also what it means to have good and fertile soil. I think we understand his application. But sometimes I wonder if we know exactly what Jesus meant by the word of God being the seed. I like to stretch that definition a little bit. The Word of God is not just the words from the Scripture, or the holy eternity of the Logos of the Word that John speaks about in his Gospel, but it's those practices that Jesus taught us of forgiveness and compassion and truth-telling, speaking to power, of caring for the least among us, and underlying it all this expansive love that rejects no one, that encompasses the world. This is actually the material, the stuff that needs to get germinated, all the information in these seeds 
that get sown. And the question for us is, how do we sow them? I think he also leaves out a few things in this parable that some of us may know from experience. There are times where you scatter seed on the good soil, and still it doesn't quite grow up the way you want it to. A child maybe who has all the love and attention you would think they need in education and resources, and yet has problems the rest of their lives. Or like a friend of mine, someone who grows up in a different situation in sort of the rock and rubble, bandied about from nine different foster homes by the age of seven, and wondering if he was ever loved, but somehow breaking through the asphalt of that situation and becoming a strong plant that goes on to get a graduate degree and help foster children themselves. You and I know those sort of contradictory situations as well, and we scratch our heads and wonder, how could we do it better? I sent out a query about how this parable applies in our congregation because we are doing a lot of growing and stretching. And the theme of our stewardship and budget ministry, who's going to give you a brochure very soon, and is giving a presentation after worship today and after worship next Sunday, is growing, giving to grow and growing to give. Because we are in this growing spring phase of our congregation's life. And I'll say from where I stand, sometimes it's, it's been a little bit like, oh my goodness, the, the soil is so fertile, things are growing like topsy. And it becomes a little overwhelming. If you look at our announcements and all the things going on, there's much growing going on in this church, and it's good. It's not necessarily noticeable today, but in general, our pews are fuller than they were a year or even 18 months ago. We have a 2030s group that is blossoming all over the place. We have our Bible and Christian education opportunities that have been well tended by our Christian education coordinator and interim associate pastor that have been keeping solid and growing. We have a seminarian among us now who is growing and learning with us. Our music ministry has always had deep roots, as many of you have reflected back of the important piece that has brought you back here again and again. We saw our Green Up team, our environmental ministry, looking at creation stewardship, just blossom in front of us over the past year and start to work in real ways in the world around us. We just now had 60 people on the walk for hunger, at least the biggest group I've heard of here for quite some time. And some work that's been going on behind the scenes that many of you may not know but has taken a lot of energy and attention this year is a lot of administrative infrastructure work, which I have to say is not necessarily the most sexy or uh, in, in inspirational work that you find in church. However, it's necessary for our garden to continue to grow here. We have in this past year put together a human resources team that is up, updating policies and job descriptions and compensation packages that haven't really been looked at wholeheartedly for about 17 years. We also have a Buildings and Grounds Committee that is looking at this great building of ours, which if you know anything about old church buildings in the Boston area, they require a lot of money and upkeep. And we do, as I've said several times, have a capital campaign coming to keep this building in shape and to keep it running so that we may rent it out as we do as a source of income and a way to reach out into the community. We've also had our budget and stewardship ministry team revised or revived again this year, and they've been doing excellent spiritual work. Before this task was done by one person, it's now done by about eight to 10 people. And finally, our search and call committee that we may call a settled associate pastor. These are all important teams that have, some have been working behind the scenes. You've heard about them in worship, 
but there's a lot of important work. And I will just say, the administrative chops of the people who do this work quite impresses me and is far beyond me, and I'm grateful. So this is, these are all the ways that we are growing in our congregation, that God's seeds are taking place among us. But I sent out a query to about 60 of our members uh, of ways that they might look at this parable in relation to our church, and I got about a 10% return, which seems about right, and given that people here are so thoughtful, it was good, good material to work with. One of our church school teachers said, so often I have realized that I'm planting seeds in church school, but I've also realized you have to repeat yourself literally hundreds of times with little children. And then eventually the lesson sinks in, usually around the time you're about to give up. If you're exposing kids to the right things, the right seeds, and showing those things through your own actions, hopefully this provides the good soil for them to grow in and understand and live in God's love. And if they have deep enough roots, they will hopefully weather whatever storms come their way. One of our members said that she's concerned that some of the thorns and rocks that get in our way are our greatest toys or our biggest houses or our other possessions or even more importantly our own sense of self-importance. She believes one of the seeds we need to need to plant is the seed of the art of conversation. How to really talk with one another face to face about important things that will bring us closer and understand one another better. She also thinks we should learn to live simply and be a minimalist, that it's important for church life as well as our personal lives. One person wondered aloud in her email to me about what a great responsibility this is for us to sow these seeds of God, these seeds of good news, of love and compassion and justice. What an awesome responsibility. She wondered how we are the planters, the sowers, how we are the seeds ourselves or how we are the good soil, but also <coughs> when are we the rocks or thorns? When do we unnecessarily get in the way of good spiritual growth? And finally, one of our members reflected with me, I guess I worry that we aren't sowing our seeds widely enough. We naturally shy away from the dry, rocky, trampled ground because we know it's harder to work that soil. Churches always run the risk of becoming too insular, of focusing all their attention on cultivating only those who are already the most likely to feel comfortable in a conventional church setting. And churches often are not very good at or are intimidated by the challenge of cultivating the rockier ground. People in our wider community who might be the poor or the depressed or the lonely or the unemployed or the physically and mentally challenged and those with no faith tradition of their own to draw upon. This person believes that when people enter our sanctuary for the first time, we're good at modeling what a faith community is supposed to look like and pretty good at making them feel welcome. However, we're not necessarily doing enough to venture outside our doors, outside our comfort zones, to reach out to the disenfranchised community and to invite them into our midst. And so he sees a twofold challenge, making people who arrive here feel welcome so that they can sink roots into our fertile ground and working to spread our seeds in new directions beyond the confines of our parochial holy space. Amen. The thing I think we have to keep remembering about this parable is unlike my gardening with my brother-in-law, this sower puts the seeds everywhere. 
He is utterly generous. He is profligate. He doesn't care where they land. He doesn't make judgments about where it will grow and where it won't grow. He just keeps giving the seed everywhere he goes because he knows that the world needs it. But the rocky places need it, the thorny places need it, even the birds who take it away need the seeds. And that it's not up to us how it grows. You do not look at a plant and say, come on, get on with it. You let the sunshine and rainfall of God's love do the work that is beyond us. Thursday night I had dinner again with my brother-in-law and I said, how are the seeds doing? And he said, you should go out and look, there's some tendrils poking up at the peas. I went out to the fence row and I still saw the dead leaves and the rocks. I saw no tendrils. I saw some weeds that had advanced on the pea tendrils. But he said, come back in June because the growth will take some time. And as Jesus says, we have to have good and honest hearts to receive the seed and patient endurance for the growth. Amen.